Hi, this is book three, episode 35 of Puritans Read, where we read great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Finishing today, The Godly Man's Picture by Thomas Watson, as we conclude chapter 12, showing the mystic union between Christ and the saints. Use four. This mystic union affords much comfort to believers in several cases. Number one, in the case of the disrespect and unkindness of the world, in wrath they hate me, Psalm 55, 3. But though we live in an unkind world, we have a kind husband. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you, John 15, 9. What angel can tell how God the Father loves Christ? Yet the Father's love to Christ is made the copy and pattern of Christ's love to his spouse. This love of Christ as far exceeds all created love as the sun outshines the light of a torch. And is not this a matter of comfort? Though the world hates me, Christ still loves me. Number two, in the case of weakness of grace, the believer cannot lay hold on Christ except with a trembling hand. There is a spirit of infirmity on him. But, oh, weak Christian, here is strong consolation. There is a conjugal union. You are the spouse of Christ, and he will bear with you as the weaker vessel. Will a husband divorce his wife because she is weak and sickly? No, he will be the more tender with her. Christ hates treachery but he will pity infirmity. When the spouse is faint and ready to be discouraged, Christ puts his left hand under her head. Song of Solomon 2, 6. This is the spouse's comfort when she is weak. Her husband can infuse strength into her. My God shall be my strength. Isaiah 49, 5. Number three, in the case of death. When believers die, they go to their husband. Who would not be willing to shoot the gulf of death that they might meet with their husband, Christ? I desire to loosen anchor, Philippians 1.23, and be with Christ. What though the way is dirty? We are going to our friend. When a woman is engaged, she longs for the day of marriage. After the saint's funeral, their marriage begins. The body is a prison to the soul. Who would not desire to exchange a prison for a marriage bed? How glad Joseph was to go out of prison to the king's court. God is wise. He lets us meet with changes and troubles here, so that he may wean us from the world and make us long for death. When the soul is divorced from the body, it is married to Christ. Number four. In the case of passing sentence at the day of judgment. There is a marriage union, and, O Christian, your husband shall be your judge. A wife would not fear appearing at the bar if her husband was sitting as judge. What though the devil should bring in many indictments against you? Christ will expunge your sins in his blood. He will say, Shall I condemn my spouse? Oh, what a comfort this is. The husband is judge. 
Christ cannot pass sentence against his spouse without passing it against himself, for Christ and believers are one. Number five, in the case of the saint's suffering. The church of God is exposed in this life to many injuries, but she has a husband in heaven who is mindful of her and will turn water into wine for her. Now it is a time of mourning with the spouse because the bridegroom is absent, Matthew 9, 15. But shortly she shall put off her mourning Christ will wipe the tears of blood off the cheeks of his spouse. The Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces. Isaiah 25, 8 Christ will comfort his spouse for as much time as she has been afflicted. He will solace her with his love. He will take away the cup of trembling and give her the cup of consolation. And now she shall forget all her sorrows being called into the banqueting house of heaven and having the banner of Christ's love displayed over her. Use 5. Let me press several duties upon those who have this marriage union with Christ. Number 1. Make use of this relationship in two cases. Firstly, when the law brings in its indictments against you. The law says... Here there are so many debts to be paid, and it demands satisfaction. Acknowledge the debt, but turn it all over to your husband, Christ. It is a maxim in law that the suit must not go against the wife as long as the husband is living. Tell Satan when he accuses you, It is true that the debt is mine, but go to my husband, Christ. He will discharge it. If we took this course, we might relieve ourselves of much trouble. By faith, we turn over the debt to our husband. Believers are not in a state of widowhood, but of marriage. Satan will never go to Christ. He knows that justice is satisfied and the debt book canceled. But he comes to us for the debt, so that he may perplex us. We should send him to Christ, and then all lawsuits would cease. This is a believer's triumph. When he is guilty in himself, he is worthy in Christ. When he is spotted in himself, he is pure in his head. Secondly, in the case of desertion, Christ may, for reasons best known to himself, step aside for a time. My beloved had withdrawn himself. Song of Solomon 5, 6. Do not say, therefore, that Christ has gone for good. It is a fruit of jealousy in a wife, when her husband has left her a while, to think that he has gone from her for good. Every time Christ removes himself out of sight, it is wrong for us to say, like Zion, The Lord hath forsaken me. Isaiah 49, 14 This is jealousy, and it is a wrong done to the love of Christ, and the sweetness of this marriage relationship. Christ may forsake his spouse in regard of comfort, but he will not forsake her in regard of union. A husband may be a thousand miles distant from his wife, but he is still a husband. Christ may leave his spouse, but the marriage knot still holds. Number two, 
love your husband, Christ. Song of Solomon 2, 5. Love him though he is reproached and persecuted. A wife loves her husband when in prison. To inflame your love towards Christ, consider. Firstly, nothing else is fit for you to love. If Christ is your husband, it is not fit to have other lovers who would make Christ grow jealous. Secondly, he is worthy of your love. He is of unparalleled beauty, altogether lovely. Song of Solomon 5:16. Thirdly, how fervent Christ's love is towards you. He loves you in your worst condition. He loves you in affliction. The goldsmith loves his gold in the furnace. He loves you, notwithstanding your fears and blemishes. The saints' infirmities cannot wholly remove Christ's love from them. Jeremiah 3, 1. Oh, then, how the spouse should be endeared in her love to Christ. This will be the excellence of heaven. Our love will then be like the sun in its full strength. Number three, rejoice in your husband, Christ. Has Christ honored you by taking you into the marriage relationship and making you one with himself? This calls for joy. By virtue of the union, believers are sharers with Christ in his riches. It was a custom among the Romans, when the wife was brought home, for her to receive the keys of her husband's house, intimating that the treasure and custody of the house was now committed to her. When Christ brings his bride home to those glorious mansions which he has gone ahead to prepare for her, John 14, 2, he will hand over the keys of his treasure to her, and she shall be as rich as heaven can make her. And shall not the spouse rejoice and sing aloud upon her bed? Psalm 149, 5. Christians, let the times be never so sad you may rejoice in your spiritual espousals. Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18. Let me tell you, it is a sin not to rejoice. You disparage your husband, Christ. When a wife is always sighing and weeping, what will others say? This woman has a bad husband. Is this the fruit of Christ's love to you, to reflect dishonor upon him? A melancholy spouse saddens Christ's heart. I do not deny that Christians should grieve for sins of daily occurrence, but to be always weeping as if they mourned without hope is dishonorable to the marriage relationship. Rejoice in the Lord always. Philippians 4, 4. Rejoicing brings credit to your husband. Christ loves a cheerful bride, and indeed, the very purpose of God's making us sad is to make us rejoice. We sow in tears so that we may reap in joy. The excessive sadness and contrition of the godly will make others afraid to embrace Christ. They will begin to question whether there is that satisfactory joy in religion which is claimed. Oh, you saints of God, do not forget consolation. Let others see that you do not repent of your choice. It is joy that puts liveliness and activity into a Christian. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah 8.10
The soul is swiftest in duty when it is carried on the wings of joy. Number four, adorn this marriage relationship so that you may be a crown to your husband. Firstly, wear a veil. We read of the spouse's veil, Song of Solomon 5, 7. This veil is humility. Secondly, put on your jewels. These are the graces which, for their luster, are compared to rows of pearl and chains of gold, Song of Solomon 1, 10. These precious jewels distinguish Christ's bride from strangers. Thirdly, behave as becomes Christ's spouse. A. In chastity. Be chaste in your judgments. Do not defile yourselves with error. Error adulterates the mind. 1 Timothy 6.5 It is one of Satan's artifices. First to defile the judgment, then the conscience. B. In sanctity. It is not for Christ's spouse to behave like harlots. A naked breast and a wanton tongue do not become a saint. Christ's bride must shine forth in gospel purity so that she may make her husband fall in love with her. A woman was asked what dowry she brought her husband. She answered that she had no dowry, but she promised to keep herself chaste. So, though we can bring Christ no dowry, yet he expects us to keep ourselves pure, not spotting the breasts of our virginity by contagious and scandalous sins. This has been the final part of The Godly Man's Picture by Thomas Watson. Tune in next for a special episode with a light-hearted twist in our very first recurring episode of Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan.